1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you today. And we have another great show. Uh, In a few moments, we'll talk with uh, the great Roger Stone. We'll get an update uh, from the Stone Zone. Roger, I think the number is like 15, 15 times he's been sued. You talk about lawfare, one of the greatest American uh, lawfare victims, Roger Stone. And we'll get an update also. I mentioned to him when I was texting to see about him coming on the show that I have two Two friends in Oklahoma running for higher office, one running for Congress and one running for the U.S. Senate. And both guys said, well, I'm getting advice from uh, Roger Stone. And I said, well, that means you're probably going to win. So uh, that's pretty cool. We'll talk with Roger and hear what he's up to. Uh, And also uh, a new guest, Julio Ramos. Julio Ramos has written a book that's just out a few days called uh, Fiery but mostly peaceful, which is a uh, tongue-in-cheek description, I think CNN said about rioting, um, fiery but mostly peaceful, as Kenosha, I think, burned to the ground or someplace did. So we'll talk with Julio Ramos. He is a um, journalist, uh, has covered a lot of different things. Washington Examiner is where I remember reading him. And he's been on TV and radio a bunch. We'll talk about his new book. Uh, But first, the news is out today. There's lots of numbers that should make you, should give you pause. Lots of numbers should give you pause if you know how to listen, how to pay attention to numbers. Uh, inflation numbers are up, I don't know, 8.7, 8.5, some high percentage inflation, highest in 40 years. Consumer confidence is down. Uh, The Fed has had to uh, signal that they're gonna continue to raise rates, so uh, things are going wrong there. And of course, the stock market's way down. And if you remember, I used to um, say, uh, you look for—I uh, called it the Eagle Index. The Eagle Index was look at unemployment, look at the stock market, and look at consumer confidence. Uh, no, sorry, small business confidence. And and if you did those three things, small business confidence well tells you about small business. Uh, and unemployment tells you about regular people, and the stock market tells you about big business. that's big government, you know, big corporate uh, multinational corporations. Well, in America right now, unemployment's at a decent number actually. It's pretty low the per- per- percentage, uh, but the other two are in the in the tank and then the economy feels way off. but so lots of numbers to look at. but here's a number that came out uh, in the net, last day or so. We're up to a million people in America dying. In the last year, I think it is. I'm sorry to say, it might be might be over like 15 months. But in the recent period, a million people died of drug overdose. Now, remember when I was watching the Sunday shows this weekend, and uh, one of my our listeners, uh, what does he say? He, he, one of our listeners, Luke, texted me and said he calls they call George Stephanopoulos George step on, step all over us. Uh, I guess step on all of us. I don't know what it is, but it was a pretty good line. But um, they, they they paused. Meet the press to say a million people have died of COVID. Well, a million people have died in the last year or so from drug overdose. So uh, think about that, by the way. That's deaths from drug overdose. That's not drug overdose totals. That's not the number of people impacted by, say, drug addiction and the, and the problem of, of, of heavy drugs on our streets. And of course, one of the largest increases in the number of deaths from drug overdoses has come from fentanyl and it's not fentanyl that is being uh, abused by people running and stealing their grandma's patch because she has terrible back pain, degenerative disc pain, and they steal her fentanyl patch. That's not the fentanyl uh, overdoses that we're seeing to the tune of 107,000 deaths last year, overdose deaths last year. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, 107,000. Um, excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm saying this all wrong. It's a million deaths over the last 10 years. I apologize. It's over the last 10 years. It's a million deaths. Let me be clear. Still insane. 107,000 deaths last year. And a lot of those deaths are attributable to fentanyl that's coming across the border. And it's coming across our southern border in part because... The border is wide open and because China supplies the cartels with the basic chemicals to make fentanyl and put it together and send it across the border. So we not only have a problem at our border, we have a problem with our our enemy, China, doing this to us. And so what do you end up with? And as I put in my show notes as I was getting ready for this, I say, if you want open borders and and lawlessness, what are you going to get? Well, one thing you're going to get is... 107,000 drug overdose deaths in the last year in last year. And here's where it gets even more twisted. No one is willing to stop it. No one's willing to seal the border. I bomb the cartels, the Mexican cartels. It sounds like a pretty good idea to me. They're killing us. They're killing us. So if you think bombing them is too rough, I'm not sure you're paying attention to that. They're not inconveniencing us. They're not slowing our uh, education. They're not slowing our ability to learn to read. They're they're not uh, impacting the uh, the livelihood of Americans, although they're doing all of those things, by the way. The thing I'm saying most is they're killing people. They're killing Americans. And here's where it gets twisted. The the groups that are are seeing the sharpest increase in deaths from overdose. Guess who they are? African-Americans, Latin-Americans. And uh, I'll pause and drop a little bit of a footnote. I don't know the exact numbers but I will pause and drop this footnote. Do you realize that the vast majority of the the deaths are men? So we're killing, we're allowing our enemies to kill our youngish men. They're not all young, right? But you don't hear a lot of fentanyl overdoses of guys in their 70s. It's a a lot of guys in their 30s and 40s and 20s, sometimes into their 50s. Think about what we're doing in this country. Think about the things that we could control. We can't control Putin. We can't control Ukraine. We cannot control aspects of, say, the North Korea. I don't know. Pick a topic, but we can control our border. We can control our law enforcement. We can control those things. And we could, if we wanted to dramatically reduce the number of deaths in this country, from overdose. Now, I, you may all remember, I have a brother. My brother is a retired Marine who did tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. He's a hero. He was an infantryman, a, a dirt-eating infantryman, you know, just pounded away, led men into battle, battled all lost men in battle. He's a great guy. Well, he retired, and he, he got a normal job for a little while, and he said he couldn't stand it. And he went and actually got, a, as a firefighter at a city in uh, in Massachusetts. And he's a firefighter as well as an EMT or a par- paramedic. I guess they, 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 they roll over together in a, in a, in a major city uh, or in a city fire department. And so one of the things he was telling me about is uh, they, they'll tell you as bad fentanyl, bad fentanyl comes up the eastern seaboard, you can sort of track how it knocks people out, kills people in the cities as it comes up the, 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 the coasts. And he said, you know, you've got uh, the, the drugs that can, the Narcan or whatever the term, I think that's right, that, that can reverse the uh the effects of, of fentanyl overdose he said it's extraordinary but you don't often you don't always get there in time you don't always know and so he said this is happening all the time everybody knows it bad drugs come in overly overly um overly uh powerful fentanyl gets into a drug supply and just starts killing people and w- and we're debating whether we should close the border why we're debating whether it's appropriate to make sure that the drug cartels in mexico are crippled why I mean, how how serious do you have to be as a human being and as a nation to to how, how lacking in seriousness must you be as a, as an as an individual and as a nation, Joe Biden and America, to not address this problem? I mean, it it really is it defies logic. A mill over a million people dead from drug overdoses. I think conservatively, you can say another ten million seriously impacted by overdose. Uh, illness and and sickness and all the rest it's probably more than that we're so we're not talking about you know one uh thousand people who are experiencing some anomaly. We're talking about every community impacted and and we're 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 not we're not taking this seriously we're not sending a message to China. China knows exactly who the CEOs of the companies that make the chemicals, the, 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 uh, uh, ingredients for fentanyl. They're known. The names are known. And China runs an economy, a command control economy. It's not like America, where you don't really know who's in charge of some company that's doing something until, I don't know, there's a, there's some reason to look closer, you know, whether it's, um, IRS filings or something to do with, uh, licensure. In China, everybody that has a real job and has any authority and any ability to do anything, is in favor with the government, period. So they know who's doing this and sending it to the cartels in Mexico and killing Americans. And we're playing around. What you need to know is it has to stop. And And the leaders who will stop it will be heroes, first of all, and they'll be rewarded. All right, everybody, we got to take a break. We'll be back. We got Roger Stone in a few moments and Julio Ramos on his book about the uh, 2020 riots and uh, how America was gaslighted. It's a very interesting book. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I've been looking forward to this interview. Uh, a new book came out just a few days ago. We'll talk about it in a moment. And uh, the author is Julio Rosas, who is uh, the senior writer over at townhall.com. Uh, you may have re- read him. That's where I first read him as a Washington Examiner. Uh, and he is um, a reti- he's a uh, Marine Corps reservist, so he's been trained up by those guys. And you'll see him around. But the new book, which is the really interesting <laughs> timing is everything in life, uh, Julio. Uh, the book is Fiery. But mostly peaceful the 2020 riots and the gaslighting of america and uh with the preparation for the next round of riots it looks like uh, i'm not sure they'll pull it off but they certainly want to with the supreme court now walled in with eight foot walls and uh, justice's address is being published and here we go it's sort of what's the lessons we learned so welcome to the program congratulations on the book and first tell me where that quote is fiery but mostly peaceful and why it works so well <laughs>
2: Uh, Well, so uh, CNN, as useless as a news organization as as they are, they actually uh, were very useful in providing the title of my book because (laughs) fiery but mostly peaceful comes from the Chiron that they ran uh, during a report uh, during the Kenosha riots, which I covered and talked extensively uh, in the book. And it's just... (laughs) I went through several uh, ideas of, of what I wanted the book title to be, but I mean, Fire of the Mostly Peaceful is just kind of the perfect encapsulation of the, the riots, number one. But then number two, and this is kind of the other half of the book, talks about the media malpractice uh, yeah. that, they, that they conducted during a very turbulent time in nation's history.
1: Well, you know, and Julio, just to, to, to everybody's referential to themselves, but I, w- I'm, I was the chairman of the Missouri Republican Party when uh, Michael Brown died and when they burned Ferguson to the ground. And that was really the first, in my my in my analysis, because I was there, I was there the day after Michael Brown died. I went to Ferguson with the Lieutenant Governor at the time, Peter Kinder, and we went to the site and prayed for the kid and all. But we knew we knew pretty quickly what had happened. We knew the mayor. We, we learned all the details. And none of the media coverage was real, right? It was, and we were watching it in Missouri going, wait a second guys this is and the whole country's like wow what a terrible you know set of facts you know hands up don't shoot total nonsense well once they learned that they could run that as you call the subtitle of your book again we're talking with uh, julio rosas and his website is julio com. you'll see a lot of there there places to buy the book um the 2020 riots and the gaslighting of america i mean if that term gaslighting ever applied it's to the ferguson to michael brown and then george floyd and then the uh, blm and they all stopped after the 2020 election and everything was healed, the world was healed. Is that what happened? I mean, you, you mean it, it, it should be sort of obvious. And yet the media doesn't cover any of it.
2: And one of the things that that really disturbs me is just is just because as someone who was there on, on many of the riots in Minneapolis in May at the very beginning to, to Chaz in Seattle and Kenosha with Jacob Blake in, in, in August. I mean, these riots were real they were very, they were very destructive. They, they are devastating to communities. And to this day, we are still very much dealing with the aftermath and the consequences of that mass lawlessness, because what are we seeing now in American cities? We're seeing historic uh, rise in violent crime. We're seeing uh, the minority neighborhoods still struggling uh, even more so than, than before. And so when we're looking to the future now and the potential, you know, a uh, leftist reaction to, to Roe versus Wade being overturned, potentially, um, we're not in a good spot to, to deal with that again. I mean, I just wrote at town hall today that a, between January and October of 2021, the Chicago Police Department lost 900 officers, 900 officers left. Hmm. They wow. only had 51 new additions in that same time period, 51 wow, against 900. So do you think if there are riots after Roe versus Wade that the city of Chicago is gonna be able to contend with that? I don't think so.
1: Yeah, um, and that's a scary thought. Yeah, we're talking with Julio Rosas, his book, fiery but mostly peaceful, the 2020 riots and the gaslighting of America. Um, that's interesting. And one of the great things about this period in, in history, in my mind, is a guy like you can write this well-researched book. Then you're writing also TownHall.com, and so you're kind of able to engage the current affairs as they come. So you're, as you say, this uh, Supreme Court uh, or or the whatever will be the next set of riots, right, when they come. But but what's this? What's your sense of the public's reaction to this now are are they are they tired of it are they fooled by it? Is the media, I often, I often use Julio, the term on my show, called the narrative machine, I call it, big tech, big media, and big government working together to tell a, a whole bunch of the people in the country what to believe. And then they do believe it because it's very sophisticated. So, uh, are, but are we breaking through? Are we? Are people just checking out? What is your feeling on whether people realize? I know some of us do, right? 40% know it's a nonsense. 40% think the world is still ending if Donald Trump comes near anything. I don't know. The rest of the country is looking up going, what's wrong with you people?
2: So I think it's it's very interesting, right? Because uh, that that apparatus that that you're, that you're referring to, they definitely ran the same playbook when it came to the 2020 riots, right? Right, right. Because uh, they, they do it with everything. The most recent example, the biggest example, was the whole you know so-called "don't say gay" bill in Florida, which was absolutely nonsensical. But a large por- portion of the country believes that you can't say gay in Florida for because they yeah. haven't read the darn bill. Right. And so, but it's but so they in their in their hubris, they still ran that same. Uh, playbook for the, the 2020 riots. The difference is, though, it's uh, it's obviously a lot harder to gaslight the American people when there's mass lawlessness and buildings are on fire in entire <laughs> neighborhoods, right? right? But that doesn't mean they still didn't try. And unfortunately, a lot of still a, a, lot, a significant portion of the American population really do believe that the riots were overblown by people like myself, people in you know right-wing media. But no, the, the, like I said before, the, these riots were real. They were destructive. Uh, in my opinion, the strongest parts of the book Is not my story necessarily? It's the stories of the people who live there and the people who uh, I interviewed in the aftermath, like months afterwards or even a year afterwards, and and they are still very much struggling in in different ways. And and it's sad that that same apparatus is telling them, "Oh, your your plight's not that your plight's not that you know uh, bad or it's it's not that important because especially now because January sixth happened, which I also talk about in the book because I was there covering it. But it's just it's just you're right. The, the, that that whole machine uh, definitely is still there. It's still prevalent. But that's why I put it into a book as well, because all of my work was on the Internet. And the Internet was good. Right. But that especially with big tech, you never know. All that can go away you know, tomorrow. So I wanted a physical medium of, of, of my experiences and the experiences of others so that people yeah. can actually hold on to it.
1: Uh, we're talking with yeah, exactly. well, Julio Rosas, Rosas, his book is the, is again is available anywhere you buy books. You go to his website, com. I'll put that up on social media. Fiery but Mostly Peaceful is the name of the book, The 2020 Riots and the Gaslighting of America. Um, do you as a young journalist now and now you've written books you've written columns you've appeared all over in terms of media tv media radio media um are you are ha, ha, what's the future look like i mean you know even fox news is is i mean certainly trusted more by conservatives but they they you know you 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 hear people basically think everybody is lying right now. I mean, they really think that about a lot and they go find their one source. I'll listen to Tucker, right? I'm going to go find X. What's the future of sort of being able to have a consensus on what the truth is because here 's another example when they start to riot over uh, reproductive rights I, I find it very h- abortion. I find it very hard to believe that large you know percentages of the african American community are going to say, "Oh yeah, I really feel like um you know my schools are terrible i don 't have a lot of upward mobility I, I really want more abortion rights I, it, but they 're going to make it sound like it 's racist right they 're going to make it sound like it's it's uh, uh aimed at I don't think that works for the people, but maybe the people, I hate to say this, don't matter to the left because they're just going to keep gaslighting
3: them.
2: No, I I think so, too. Um, I mean, and and this is why it's, it's scary, right? It's scary to see when all those three components work together to gaslight or in many cases just lie to the American people. They they have they have sway. They have they have persuasive power just because that's how kind of human nature is. Right. And that's why it's more and, and so when we're talking about the lessons learned from 2020, we didn't learn anything, in my opinion. Nothing was learned. Um, because we're because all over again. I mean, I was just covering a protest at Justice Alito's house earlier this week, and people within the media was finding excuses, trying to downplay it, and say, "Oh, it's not that big of a deal." It's, it's again, the ends justifying the means. It's, it's literally they're 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 laying the groundwork for violence and mm. and for them to excuse it away again. In two years, I mean, almost like this month, May is is the two year anniversary to when everything started, right? So, I mean, it's just history is repeating itself, in my opinion, a lot quicker. <laughs> Because yeah. uh, I put towards the end of the book that, you know, I don't know when the next riots are happening. I don't know if they are going to happen, but, you know, if, if they do, I, I'll be sure to be there to continue the work. <laughs> and then and then literally the day you know, the day <laughs> where we drop the book, then the, the Roe versus way to think out. Think. And so it's just it, it's it's like it's my it's, it's like we're, we're we're actively driving. Uh, at, a, at a high rate of speed into a tree trunk off, off the side of the road, and, and no one wants to seem to want to hit the brakes. It, it's 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 just crazy. It, yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. Absurd. It's
1: amazing, amazing to watch. All right. Um. Unfortunately, Julio, I have to run. Uh, we'll put up on social media. Congratulations on the book. You're right about getting something in people's hands. It's smart for you to do it. And uh, thanks for your reporting. And we'll um uh, we'll watch for more of it because I think we're in for a summer where the left has to change the conversation if they can. And one of their favorite ways to do it is uh, a little bit more of the violence or the protests or whatever we'll see how what form it takes so uh, thank you for your time thank you very much all right we'll take a break everybody don't forget i'll put it up on social media all the details on julio's website uh, and also his book where you can get it and uh, and we'll keep uh, i'll get him on the short i'll get him back on the show he's got a good perspective having been to these places we'll take a break though right now it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's been a while since we talked to my old friend, Roger Stone. And the, what made me text him uh, yesterday was twice in five days, I had people come to the swamp that are hoping to help drain the swamp. Two guys actually from Oklahoma, unrelated. Uh, one, Dr. Randy Grellner, who you heard on the program last week, who's running in the special election for the U.S. Senate. And then in the last day or two, a guy named John Bennett, who is an Oklahoma former chair of the party. Both these guys, I'm, I'm talking to him, introduced, talking about the issues I care about and what we're, what I see in the swamp. And I say, well, who's helping you in your race uh, for U.S. Senate and for Congress? And they both said Roger Stone. And I said, well, then you probably win because Roger knows how to win, especially in a compete a, a competitive primary. So, welcome back, Roger Stone. How, before we get to politics at the moment, how are you? How's your family? How's the constant uh, beatdown that they try to do at the the courts and all against F- Roger Stone? How are, how are things going?
4: Well, uh, you know, it's still. Uh Ed, first of all, thanks for having me. Secondly, say it is it's an everyday struggle. I mean, you see a spate of stories this morning that say, oh, the DOJ has Roger Stone and Alex Jones's secret text messages. (laughs) It's all nonsense. I mean, of course, I wasn't there on January 6th. I know nothing about it. There are no secret text messages when you're prominent, as I guess I now am. People can add you to a chat room, but that doesn't mean you participated or that there's anything illicit about it. But right. it's just more of the fake news. Uh, the Department of Justice under Joe Biden has filed a civil suit against my wife and I. She's just survived stage four cancer. They're suing us over our two thousand six income taxes.
1: Oh my God! A harassment
4: lawsuit uh, oh. because uh, we have declared every penny, uh, we reported every penny and every asset this is not a legitimate lawsuit. It's just, it's lawfare. It's just an assault to try to drag your name through the mud, and run up your legal bills. Uh, you know, it is bloodlust over the fact that I escaped Robert Mueller's witch hunt uh, through a full presidential pardon. And that drives the American left completely insane. Yeah. They're just insane <laughs> on the subject of Roger Stone. So folks who want to help my wife and I in that struggle can go to stonedefensefund.com, stonedefensefund.com, I wouldn't be asking if I didn't need it. My legal bills continue to exceed the amount of money that I can make every month. And I work like a dog.
1: <laughs> well, and Roger, let me say about this. Um, again, Roger Stone, one of the problems with the media, as you know, it's it's insane now. All they care about is clicks and clickbait. So somebody who's famous, like Roger Stone, who gets attention, right? People either love Roger Stone or they hate him, it seems, or they know about him. Then they go, oh, well, let's write a whole story on the fact that Roger Stone's cell phone number was in a chat room and make it sound like there was something going on because they get click, they get clicks and they, and they go on with their life. I mean, and once you learn this, you, once you know it and see it. You're kind of like your eyes are open that every story is anything about a story that's exciting. Titillating is almost always nonsense. Right. It's not it's not a serious story. So, uh, Roger, back before we get to campaigns and 2022 um, broadly. The Lawfare thing—you're an expert on this now—and I—I I actually have to admit I didn't realize the 2006 uh, one, uh, so I'm, I'm stunned again. But um, it's ramping up, right? It's—it's it's not breaking. The fever's not breaking. They're not saying, "Oh, we got power now; we'll be, you know, get along better." It's ramping up. They're doing more and more of this of targeting citizens across the country, right?
4: Uh, Ed, I have been hit. My wife and I have been hit with 17 individual civil suits uh, filed by nuts whack jobs, crazies, lunatics, leftists, Democrats. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, I'm getting redundant here. <laughs> right? Not, not a single one of these lawsuits has any merit. They're all baseless. They're all fraudulent. They're all unsubstantiated. But in many cases, they're really sensationalized. Uh, I'm being sued with President Trump in one of these suits. So far, 11 of the 17 have been dismissed to my favor. Right. But I had to pay for the lawyers and the legal work right. in every one of those cases to defend myself. Right. And in most cases, the judge does not award me legal fees. Uh, so I still have six more to go, including the the Biden DOJ hit job on me. Uh, I'm not going to ever concede that I've done something wrong when I haven't. Uh, but it, yeah, it's meant to grind you down. And it's it is, as I said earlier, it's pure bloodlust. So um, the judicial system is more broken than ever before. The Democrats are more brazen than ever before. I read yesterday that they now want to go after my friend, General Michael Flynn's military pension Mm -hmm. on some fraudulent basis. They want to deny him his pension because of some alleged meeting he had 10 years ago with some Russian general or some nonsense. Mm -hmm. Mike Flynn is a great American patriot. This is is just Mm -hmm. harassment. Uh, uh, we're talking. it we're it, talk- would
1: nor- it would grind normal people. It would grind yeah. a normal person yeah. down. But no, then no, I'm no. not normal. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least you. At least you said it not me. Hey, uh, stonedefensefund.com. Stonedefensefund.com. Again, uh, if you want to uh, help Roger Stone and his wife, I can tell you. I know him really well. Joe Flynn is also Mike Flynn's brother. Good. Very close with Roger. The, the, every day, seventeen lawsuits. Every day, uh, Roger's got to worry about these damn lawyers. And I mean, so um, Roger. Now to the politics a little bit. Um, What's coming in the fall looks like a red wave, but if it's a red wave like we've had in other years and doesn't change the dynamic, for example, if we have a Republican majority in the House that doesn't investigate the kinds of things you just brought up, what the FBI did, what the DOJ did, I'm not sure it matters. I know you've backed a lot of candidates. You're helping folks run. A, do you see it as a coming red wave? And B, will it be different than the last... Times Republicans had power in the House and did, you know, did tax cuts and not much else. Uh,
4: I do see a potential red wave, but a red wave will not save America. Just electing a Republican majority in the House and Senate uh, would be like leaving the dirty diapers on the baby and just changing the pins. Uh, unless we elect a subset of men and women in both houses, uh, that could be, you know, ten to fifteen stout members in the House, just three, maybe four in the Senate, who will then stick together and use their leverage to change the direction and maybe even the leadership of the Republican Caucus in both houses. Uh, And let's get right down to it. Joe Biden needs to have articles of impeachment introduced and passed in the House immediately. We already have enough proof that he has done corrupt things far worse than the fabricated garbage that they impeached Donald Trump for twice. Just what we know from Hunter's laptop, 10% for the big guy. There it is. That's enough to legitimize a vote to impeach. Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, the would-be speaker has already said he won't seek impeachment charges against Joe Biden. That's why Kevin McCarthy must be replaced. Uh, If we don't begin using the tactics they use, if we don't fight as tough as they do, we cannot win and we will not win.
1: Uh, We're talking with Roger Stone. And again, uh, let me say uh, stonedefensefund.com. Check out what uh, Roger's got there and you can support him. Um, Roger, on that front, I know, I think you've said in the past, you and I both have, I've said on the radio, a couple of members have said it, but why, why don't, why isn't there a serious effort to have uh, have uh, uh, Donald Trump be Speaker of the House? I mean, you need a Speaker of the House that will actually be uh, sort of fearlessly in charge. You know, you look back. I was reading a biography; it's on my shelf right here. Tip, Tip O'Neill. Uh, you look at what Pelosi's done. The the, the left uses their uh, time as Speaker to be basically a prime minister. I mean, including foreign policy, including you know, why not? Why not actually change the dynamic and put Donald Trump third in in line of succession? He won't have to run nationally. He could be Speaker in January January 3rd of 2023?
4: Of, of I'm certainly open to that idea. I've sometimes advocated it. I don't think we know what's going to happen here. I would predict to you that one strong reason why he should become Speaker is because even if we don't impeach Joe Biden, I believe the Democrats themselves will remove him after the midterms. Uh-huh. I think the weight of Hunter Biden's corruption, gas prices, food shortages, inflation, foreign policy disaster around the globe, Joe, mumbling Joe, is just too heavy a burden for the Democrats to carry. That would make Kamala Harris uh, president, which means nothing would change because neither she nor Biden is steering the train right. at this point, right. Obama is. Right. Uh, she would then nominate a candidate for vice president, but that candidate has to be confirmed by the Senate. The Republican majority in the Senate could simply refuse to do that. Uh, and then uh, proceed to impeach Kamala Harris if you have the votes. Now, that requires 67 votes. It's a very high bar, but at least constitutionally, legally, and theoretically, if Trump were Speaker, it could put him back in the White House before the 2024 election. Uh, Because it is like drawing to an inside straight in a poker game, it's very difficult. I think I would prefer to elect somebody like Jim Jordan Speaker uh, mm-hmm. and preserve Donald Trump as our single best candidate for 2024, which I still believe he is
1: by the way, I by the way, I, 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 yesterday. I want to clarify one thing, Roger, in, in order to replace the vice president, if, if they get rid of Biden, Kamala moves up, it actually requires a majority of both the house uh, and the Senate. So the, the house would be able to, you can't rely on the Senate. They'd probably nominate one of their people. They say, Oh, what Joe Manchin in right. Or something. So, but you could, you could, the house could probably do it. They have to bet both just to clarify that. I want to make sure to, I was that, looking and, at,
4: that, uh, I was actually, I was actually unaware of that. And yeah, very little that I'm unaware of. It's like my <laughs> friends who say, oh, we need a Trump-DeSantis ticket. Well, the problem with that is you can't have right. two people from the same state right. or you forfeit the electoral votes. So exactly. you couldn't have two Floridians, Right. Uh, a little fact that many people do not know. But right. I thought it only required Senate
1: confirmation,
4: and therefore I stand corrected.
1: Well, anyway, but my point is that we're trying to get people to be patriots. I'm not sure you ever can count on the Senate to, you know, the Senate goes Republican. Who knows what they'll negotiate? Probably more spending and more wars and more everything else. So back broadly, back very broadly, Roger, um, do you think that uh, do you are you confident that the fall will be a, cha- a swing election and that there is a, a real appetite in leaders that are coming in to do this? Are you feeling good about that or are you sort of sort of still unsure?
4: Well, I hate to answer. I I hate to answer your question with a question. Are we going to have a free, fair, transparent, and honest election? We didn't have one last time. Yeah, and there's there's plenty of reason to believe we're not going to have one this time. Certainly not in every state. Uh, Let's take Pennsylvania as a perfect example. On paper, our prospects of electing a senator and a governor would look good, and picking up some house seats, but. The Republicans in the state legislature legalized mail-in ballots. Mail-in right. ballots are clearly absolutely unconstitutional. The lower courts in Pennsylvania have now ruled that they're unconstitutional. That's being appealed to the state Supreme Court, which is very left. Meanwhile, the mail-in ballots will still be in place in the upcoming election. Yeah. Can we ever win Pennsylvania as long as they are able to defraud the public through mm-hmm. these mail-in ballots? I yeah. kind of doubt it. Yeah. So uh, structurally – there are a lot of impediments to this red wave, and I would not count our chickens. Yeah. Uh, clearly, the, the, the leak pertaining to Roe v. Wade is uh, designed to re-energize the dispirited ba- base of the left. Uh, mm-hmm. That may backfire on them. Uh, the most recent polling I saw, 4% of voters put abortion rights <laughs> as their number one concern in the country four percent
1: exactly. yeah no exactly well and just to underscore it we're talking roger stone uh, you know our, our our mutual friend general mike flynn who has a even broader assessment deeper assessment a lot of these issues and in intelligence and all he said the same thing we have a free and fair election in 2022 i'm not sure i'm not sure we've seen the seriousness of of uh of the uh, republicans to protect the election in some places there's been some stuff as you point out but uh not enough all right roger i got to run unfortunately roger stone everybody don't forget go to roger excuse me stonedefensefund.com i uh, thank you for the time roger
5: god bless you ed carry all right. on
1: okay we'll take a break everybody we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment
5: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, and we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly.
3: Who would have thought a few years ago that our First Amendment right of free speech would be under attack on college campuses of all places? But colleges are now a hotbed of political correctness and suppression of personal opinion. Progressives want to shield students from what they call scary ideas. These scary ideas are what we normal people call opinions and free speech. But the left insists they are the new buzzword, such as trigger warnings, outgrowths of fragility, or sexual paranoia. A whole new vocabulary has come into collegians' lingo. Students say they suffer from microaggressions, a word defined as the use of some verbal expression or normal social behavior to which somebody might take offense or feel threatened. It seems now that everyone could have their ordinary conversations and actions interpreted as secret or ignorant racism, sexism, or heterosexism. Now, any snubs or supposed insults, verbal or behavioral, are assumed to be offensive. Some students gripe about hostile classroom environments, which the left usually attributes to white privilege and other forms of institutionalized oppression. Students are even offended by professors correcting their papers and exams because receiving correction supposedly ridicules their intellectual capacity and harms their psychophysiological health. Well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Our right to free speech never came with a guarantee that everyone would be comfortable with it. But the left has now managed to make it a new right, the right not to be offended. College is a place to learn about and exercise our First Amendment rights. They need to be polite. They need to be respectful. But they don't need to worry about offending other students by ordinary conversation.
5: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you have a college-bound son or daughter? Do you care about the next generation? At phyllisschlafly.com, we expose the liberal agenda and anti-Christian mindset found on most college campuses and help equip conservative students to stand up for their beliefs. Visit us at phyllisschlafly.com and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back, Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Don't forget, visit Pro—excuse me, Pro America Report. Dot com com. Hey, uh, I want to give a shout out to my friend uh, Jay Ashcroft, at Jay Ashcroft Mo, at Jay Ashcroft M-O, as in Missouri, on Twitter. Uh, Jay Ashcroft is the Secretary of State for uh, Missouri. He has a very famous mom, Janet Ashcroft, a professor and a writer. I'm just teasing, of course. He's also got a famous dad, the uh, former senator from Missouri, and U.S. Uh, Attorney General uh, John Ashcroft, and but he's a great guy. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. And he is um, an engineer. More and more in my life, especially as my kids get close to college, I, I'm I'm trying to push them all to take engineering as their major because the best people I know in terms of thinking and managing how things work are engineers. Uh, my father-in-law is an engineer. He's an extraordinary guy. Uh, one of my neighbors is an engineer. He's just a impressive. A lot a lot of people I see they just think clearer when they're engineers. Late Phyllis Schlaffer, had a rule her children all had to be engineers before study engineering i think it was engineering maybe science before they uh before undergrad and they could go on afterwards and be lawyers one two of them are lawyers one of them's a phd in math another one's a doctor uh uh, three of them are lawyers i think actually um so anyway engineers well jay ashcroft is an engineer was an engineer first then got a law degree a practice law for a while but he's the secretary of state of missouri he was on the show uh, a month or two ago he's just a great guy well he has a tweet at J Ashcroft Mo. At J Ashcroft Mo. Uh, his tweet is something. It's got a cartoon of something like uh, uh, says something like this. You know, soaring gas prices, uh, uh, inflation up, America struggling on the national, the world stage. Uh, you know, oh, oh my gosh, who is that or something? And, and the answer is Jimmy Carter. No, it's Joe Biden. Then there's a cartoon of Jimmy Carter, uh, and this headline says second worst president in history, and he and it's Jimmy Carter saying thanks Joe Biden, which is really funny. It makes me smile because it's really just great. And Jimmy Carter became this sort of beloved character with his uh, Habitat for Humanity work and all these things he did. Uh, but it's just funny. But Jay Ashcroft is a super guy. His sense of humor is wonderful. It made me uh, laugh. I, I, I suspect that was a tweet uh, from him, not his staff. It's like, it's like Jay's sense of humor as sensibility, and he's a great guy. So check out at Jay Ashcroft MO, at Jay Ashcroft MO on Twitter. He's the Secretary of State for Missouri. A few years ago, we dedicated... The uh, what was then called the Eagle Forum Education and Legal Defense Fund Center uh, uh, in St. Louis in Clayton, we dedicated it. Then we called it the Phyllis Schlafly Center, and he was there along with our great uh, chairman Helen Marie Taylor, who's now deceased. Jay gave a, a gave a sort of um, welcome as we put up a big plaque and, and celebrated the renaming. So he's a wonderful friend and a great guy. Check it out, and he'll make you smile too. So all right, everybody, got to run. Thank you as always to Noah Dingley, our great producer, associate producer. Producer Joanna Spilger. Thank you for listening. ProAmericaReport.com. I'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report.
0: This is the Pro-America Report on the Answer, San Diego.